Did this dog embarrass President Reagan on the White House lawn? Is this the supermodel of the dog world? Why is this dog referred to as Pavarotti on four paws? Was this dog bred to live on a boat? Did this dog predict the winner of the Kentucky Derby? Dogs 101 celebrates man's best friend. Today, the Bouvier de Flanders, the Borzoi, the Dingo, the Kazehund, the English Setter, and we start with the dog that advertises love, the Miniature Bull Terrier. Some call this the clown of the dog world. The miniature bull terrier can be charismatic yet mischievous. Buster, bad dog. The miniature bull terrier has attitude when it's walking down the street and he knows he is a tough dog. Bullseye is the famous mascot of the store Target, and this dog is related to the big party animal, Spuds McKenzie. Spuds is basically his taller cousin, the bull terrier. But don't be confused, the mini bull is a separate breed. Standing between 10 and 14 inches tall, they weigh under 33 pounds. Back in 1850, an Englishman crossed a bulldog with a white English terrier. What developed was this small, mini, feisty, bullfighting dog. But this English toughie didn't stay a fighting bully. Through the years and with some creative breeding, he transformed into a loving pet. The first thing you notice on a miniature bull terrier is his long, egg-shaped head. One of the most defining characteristics is that telltale, dome-shaped, egg-shaped head. This dog has unusual, triangular, close-set eyes. And their feet are round and compact with well-arched toes, resembling those of a cat. This is Molly, who looks like a typical miniature bull terrier. Roman nose, stocky body, and stubborn attitude. Molly, go find Molly. But Molly isn't your typical mini bull. She lives in London and loves bopping around town. Molly, yes, with her snooty behavior, she's definitely a British dog. Sometimes on foot or in the back of a cab or riding like a big shot in the front seat of her mini Cooper. Yeah, Molly is, without doubt, the love of my life, yes. And everyone knows Molly. After all, this duo is pretty famous. Once a week, when the lights go down in London town, the whole city listens. Yeah, that's right. Molly is um, a doggy radio co-host. Yep, Molly and her best friend Matilda bark at the moon. Where's your friend Matilda? on their own BBC doggy radio show. Bark at the Moon is the only radio show for dogs two hours at the BBC and probably in the whole world. How is Molly this evening? Well, let's ask her, shall we? How are you, Molly? Mol, how are you? <coughs> oh, yeah. Oh, she is. She's feeling very good. And Molly lives like a celebrity, too. Morning, morning. Morning, Molly. That's right. Molly shops at Harrods, where they have a huge department dedicated to VIPs very important pets, just like Molly. Oh, Hello, so Molly. Molly's so excited. Here at the Pet Kingdom, they have everything. There's Chewy Vuitton, Paw Fitterolls. A Paw Fitterol. Oh, I see, instead of a Profiterol. Four-poster beds, even doggy beer. And like most girly girls, Molly just loves the clothes. Shaky, shaky hips, like Elvis. 
Oh, look. <laughs> We've got the matching lead as well. Oh, that is rather smart. It's £145. Right. Say that's nothing. <laughs> is that right? But what do ladies love more than clothes? Spa treatments. This Molly. is Molly. Today, she's getting a hot pink podicure. Exactly. Nothing less for Molly. And a blueberry vanilla facial. Oh, my. Does it taste nice? <laughs> yeah, a lot of dogs like to lick it, actually. She probably is one of the world's most pampered pooches. That's my main objective here, to give Molly the best life possible. After getting fluffed and buffed, Molly hops into her pink tutu and speeds off to her favorite part of the day, tea time, where Anna and Molly share a spot of high tea at the five-star Milestone Hotel. Come on, look, it's our table. There we go. Hi, Molly, Thank how are you. you? Look, it's Uncle Stefan. Oh, look at that, Moles. Good. Mind your nose. Excellent. <gasps> Ruffle waffles, ma'am, you know, oh, her favourite. Look Very at good. that. Molly had our wonderful woof waffles. Needless to say, you know, she loves it. And so, without a doubt, Molly and Anna have a pretty nice life. And while Molly is living what many would call the life of Riley, most miniature bull terriers can live in any environment. As for health, some mini bulls can be born with a hereditary hearing defect. The white miniature bull terrier can be deaf. But not all are deaf. It has to do with the piebald genes. So when getting a mini bull, be careful to investigate the breeding line. And the miniature bull terrier's short coat that sheds some is obviously pretty easy to groom. And occasional brushing will do. Unlike Molly, miniature bull terriers can be stubborn and tough to train. And while it's a dog so ugly it's cute, it's not the best with other animals or rambunctious children. In general, the mini bull terrier can live anywhere. Some all-white minis can be prone to deafness, and their short coat needs little attention. In the training department, watch out, they are bullheaded. So overall, the miniature bull terrier can be a lovable pet, but its owner must be strong and the boss. Australia, a land of limitless beauty and diverse nature, and home to some of the most fascinating animals on Earth, the kangaroo, the koala bear, and the emu. But Australia is also home to one of the most fascinating and misunderstood canines on the planet, the wild Australian dog known as the dingo. There are certain parts of Australia where dingoes are considered pests, and they're hunted quite enthusiastically. The dingo was a happy camper for 5,000 years as Australia's largest four-legged predator. That is, until the English arrived with boatloads of sheep. While the sheep arrived, it was like, uh, you know, a Thanksgiving for the dingo. With this docile source of food, the dingo population boiled over, as did the temper of sheep ranchers. The dingo quickly became an outcast. To keep dingoes away from the sheep, the world's longest fence, more than 3,000 miles long, was built in Southeast Australia. Dingoes may be best known around the world for their infamous role in the movie A Cry in the Dark, in which the character, played by Meryl Streep, cried that a dingo ate her baby. While dingoes have a hearty appetite for kangaroos, rabbits, and sheep, there have only been three reports of them attacking humans in the last 200 years in Australia. Compare that to 14,000 attacks by domestic dogs in one year alone. Dingoes are not considered a breed, but somewhere between a wolf and a dog. The dingo was probably man's first attempt to domesticate the wolf. 
But the dingo stayed a wild dog, remaining on its own. In many places in Australia, it's illegal to keep them as a pet. The name dingo originated from an Aboriginal dialect. And while they were not treated as pets by Aborigines, it's believed they often traveled with them. Some popular breeds of dogs actually have the dingo in their ancestry, and those include the Australian Kelpie and the Australian Cattle Dog. The dingo's color and thickness of its coat adapt to the region of Australia it lives in. Dingoes can rotate their heads almost 360 degrees. They are so flexible, their paws can rotate like a human's wrist, enabling them to climb trees and even open doors. Dingoes have permanently erect ears, and their senses are incredible. They can hear the heartbeat of a rabbit hiding under a log or a rock. Dingoes don't bark, they howl, and have an intricate, discernible communication system. Eleven years ago, Jim Cotterell adopted a wild dingo pup whose parents had been poisoned by irate cattle herders. I've had him uh, since he was 10 weeks old. I thought, right, I'll treat him like a domestic dog. Jim lives in the middle of Australia's immense outback, in a state that allows dingoes as pets. He runs what's known as a roadhouse, along a thousand-mile stretch of road. It's sort of a motel, general store, and tourist trap all in one. And when those tourists stop here on their way to the outpost of Alice Springs, they get the shock of their life. Meet Dinky, the singing dingo. I don't have to lead him to the piano. He just enjoys it so much. He'll climb up on the piano, and he walks up and down, back and forth. He's the only one I know who can play a duet by himself. Jim says Dinky started performing when his daughters started taking piano lessons. If the girls were home playing, he would stand alongside and throw his head up and give us a bit of a vocal rendition. That's how it started. That was the beginning of his career. And Dinky's not just a celebrity in Australia. Every newspaper in just about every country in the world at some point has had a story on Dinky. On the wall behind me, the stories, a German paper, where they refer to Dinky as Pavarotti on four paws. Jim doesn't recommend dingoes as pets, but he thinks Dinky gives people a greater appreciation of how smart and likable they can be. I always liked dingoes. Like, I like them more now that I know that they can sing. <laughs> <laughs> the dingo is a wild dog and illegal in many locations, and they should at all times be kept away from small animals and unfamiliar children. In captivity, dingoes can live as long as 20 years, but in the wild, only 25% of a litter will make it to their first birthday. And the wild dingo's number one predator is man. In the wild, dingoes shed naturally in the summer. Dingoes are extremely intelligent and can learn up to 25 commands in their first 16 weeks. But soon after, they become very independent and any training will be done on their terms. Dingo pups form early bonds both to their territory and their pack. Their pack could be a family, including small children and other domesticated animals. But the experts all agree that you should think long and hard before ever attempting to make a dingo a pet. 
and check local laws to see if it's legal. So to recap, in the wild, dingoes live in open spaces. To keep them as a pet, you need a lot of fenced-in acreage. They are naturally very healthy animals. In captivity, the dingo may require some light brushing. They are very smart, but fiercely independent. And while they can adapt to their surroundings, they're not a good choice for a pet. To Australians, the dingo is a source of national pride. If elegance is an English trait, then this setter sure suits its name. They're beautiful to look at, they're athletic, and they also have an air of goofiness and playfulness about them. An English setter joined Herbert Hoover in the White House. And in the 1930s, a setter named Jim gained fame for picking seven Kentucky Derby winners. Each year, he would pick a card with the winner's name. I like them, and it's not just because I'm English by origin. English hunters wanted the perfect bird dog and companion. So around 300 years ago, they began combining the Spanish Spaniel, the Water Spaniel, and Springer Spaniel, developing a dog that went into a unique stance or set when stalking game. These elegant looks are actually built for the hunt. Starting with a long, muscular neck, that flowing feathered coat, is the setter's most distinguishing trait. The color pattern on their coat is known as Belton markings for the town of Belton, England. Belton comes in orange, blue, lemon, liver, and tricolor varieties, but they're all born with white coats. The English setter has a unique color, but it's probably one of the sweetest of all the setters. That may explain why people go to such lengths to help a setter in need. This is Belle, a one-year-old English setter who's getting ready for a big journey. Belle is just a sweetheart. That's all you can say about her. She's a good little dog. Belle's story begins a few months ago when she was abandoned at a vet's office. Rick and Milber Berry took Belle into their home outside of San Antonio. The Berries foster rescues waiting to find a forever home. We help them overcome issues so that adoptions are more successful. With the love and companionship of the Berries and their two English setters, Sweet and Hank, Belle started to come out of her shell. Meanwhile, up in Illinois, a devoted English setter owner was just getting over the loss of his dog, Ginger. Finally, I just had that feeling that um, the time was right to go ahead and get a new, another English setter. When Gordon saw Belle's profile, he knew he'd found his new best friend, except for one big problem. Bell's foster home in Texas is a thousand miles away from Gordon's home in Illinois. Luckily, Bell caught another break, a program called Pilots and Paws. Those pilots were always looking for excuses to go flying, so this is a good excuse to go flying and to be doing something worthwhile at the same time. Volunteer pilots like Dave Morris transport rescue animals to forever homes across the country. Today, Dave will fly the first leg of Bell's journey home. You get a little creature like this one, and she has absolutely stolen my heart. It is a little heartbreaking, but giving them up is what we do. 
We're gonna go for a nice ride. After the goodbyes, Dave and Belle are off, with Belle properly strapped in. VFR flight following to Neosho, Missouri for a pilot's pause transport. 500 miles later, the duo reach Neosho, Missouri, where pilot Sam Taylor takes the controls for the last leg of Belle's journey. I've rescued uh, 230 dogs, and Belle will be 231. Belle is alert at takeoff, but once the flight is underway... Belle, we have about three hours of flight ahead of us. Belle does what many of us do during flights, curl up and take a nap. Meanwhile, on the ground, Gordon waits with nervous anticipation. Sure, she's going to need a lot of adjustment, um, but uh, English setters seem to adjust pretty quick. Fair skies make for an easy landing into Davenport, Iowa, and Belle's new life. It's been quite a day for Belle, a journey of a thousand miles to find her forever home. It's a lot of traveling in two days. Let's go home. The happy ending to Belle's story is all thanks to some very special pilots bringing new hope to abandoned animals, no matter where they're found. They sacrifice um, their time, their plane. For Gordon and Belle, all this hard work means the beginning of a beautiful new friendship. She's gonna be a good dog. And if you want to bring an English setter into your home, remember, setters can adapt to most home environments, but need plenty of exercise. The long feathered coat requires brushing every two days. Anything to do with hunting comes easy to a setter, but a stubborn streak might challenge trainers. They just require somebody to really help them to show their stuff. There are a few congenital conditions to watch out for. English setters can be prone to hip dysplasia and deafness. Setters are great with families, but can be a little timid around rough and tumble young kids. English setters are good in an apartment if given daily exercise. They're prone to deafness and hip dysplasia. Setters require regular grooming, can challenge obedience trainers, and setters get along best in families mindful of the dog's sensitive side. Designed for speed and endurance, capable of fast starts, turns on a dime, quick stops. This is not a sports car, this is a Borzoi. Borzoi means swift in Russian, and that is absolutely true. This speed demon is also quite a looker. It's just a very elegant, graceful, athletic, absolutely stunningly gorgeous dog. So it's no wonder they were the dogs in vogue during the Art Deco period of the 1920s and 30s. They appeared in high-end advertisements and were the dogs of choice for Hollywood starlets like Jean Harlow and Olivia de Havilland. Even the captain of the Titanic owned one. And Pink Floyd took the stage with a Borzoi. I think of them as the supermodels of the dog world. To create this perfect blend of beauty, grace, and speed, 17th century Russian aristocrats crossed Arabian greyhounds with thick-coated Russian sheepdogs. Borzoi, also known as Russian wolfhounds, were bred hundreds of years ago to hunt wolves, foxes, and hare. A giant breed, Borzoi can weigh up to 120 pounds, 
and reach heights of up to 32 inches at the shoulder. But they're not the tallest sighthound in the dogosphere. In fact, the Irish wolfhound is the largest. The Borzoi runs a close second. Borzoi have several built-in characteristics that make them fierce hunters. First, Borzoi have a long, narrow, and slightly domed head. You can imagine with that shape of skull, they have a pretty wide sense of vision. The frontally placed almond-shaped eyes with a sharp visual streak across the width of the retina give the Borzoi a 270-degree range of vision. Humans have just a 180-degree range. And that signature sighthound head takes a full three years to mature. Puppies are born with a short, slightly bent nose, but at five weeks, the nose begins to straighten and the head continues to grow over 10 more inches. Kind of like Pinocchio, it just grows and grows. To protect them from Russia's cold, harsh winters, Borzoi have a long, silky coat that can be flat, wavy, or curly. It's dense and it has a number of layers to it. And their long, narrow, muscular body helps the Borzoi reach top speeds. Fast and prey-driven in the field, in a home setting, these intelligent dogs are incredibly responsive and loyal to their humans. When they love you, they do everything for you, and they live for you. Alicia and Bob Miller are disabled veterans. Bob, a Gulf War vet, served for 10 years as a submarine missile technician and has post-traumatic stress disorder. And Alicia was an interrogator for the U.S. Army. She suffers from a central nervous system problem. Both conditions are a direct result of serving in the military. I thought I was going to be disabled all of my life, but the dog I had named Lumi, she started on her own helping me. She would signal to everyone else in the household when my heart started having problems. Uh, she started steadying me when I walked. With her help, I was able to rehabilitate further than I was told to expect. Sadly, Lumi became ill and passed far too soon. I loved her, and I love her so much. I miss her still. But Lumi did not die in vain. It was that special bond that inspired the Miller family to create Operation Wolfhound, a family-run program that trains and places Borzoi with disabled veterans to help them lead more normal lives. Say, oh, what a cool puppy. To date, the Millers have placed 30 Borzoi. And today, veteran David Crumpton is going to meet several Borzoi and hopes to get one of his own in a few months. See, you support her rear end. You don't roll her on her back because that's a scary position for a dog. I'm a United States Navy veteran, served in the first Gulf War. David struggles with permanent nerve damage in his neck and shoulder and post-traumatic stress disorder. The PTSD causes me to wake up at all hours of the day and night, causes me to be nervous in large crowds. I'm hoping that she'll be able to reduce my anxiety where I can enter crowds as well as act as my right arm and help me pick things up. Borzoi are trained to get the veterans' attention as soon as they sense anxiety, something they detect through smell. They are going to go up into a person's lap, literally start cuddling them. The dogs redirect the focus of the veteran and let them know that they are safe. When you're upset, reach for your dog, and your dog will reach for you when you can't. I'm going to be able to have more of a life than I ever would have dreamed of. I'll be able to just function as a human. That's our girl. 
Lucian Mason knows what David's talking about. He is one of Alicia's success stories. This Vietnam vet has suffered with PTSD and a brain injury that affects his balance and speech. Afraid to leave his home and struggling with rage, anxiety, and depression, Lucian never dreamed he'd live a more normal life. Then along came Sasha. If I'm stressed out, if I'm hanger or anything, he will come to me, sit on my lap for me to pet him. And he can sense it. I don't know how he does it, but my life has changed 200%. And I could not live without him. One of the most loving and gentle dogs to grace the earth, the Borzoi fits in perfectly with almost any family. This sighthound needs to stretch its legs daily and always in a fenced-in area, no exceptions. This is a dog you could never have off-leash because it would be off into the wild blue yonder in a second. Borzoi are prone to bloat, where the stomach fills with gas and twists. So feed your Borzoi several small meals instead of one large meal. Borzoi has a very luxurious double coat, and they do shed heavily. Brushing daily with a firm bristle brush will prevent matting. This breed takes a little extra work to train, so have patience and persistence when training a Borzoi. In general, Borzoi need to be leashed or in a fenced-in yard at all times. They are prone to bloat. Brushing daily will prevent matting. Borzoi can be stubborn, so patience is needed while training. They are gentle, sweet-natured dogs for almost any family. They're so beautiful, yes. Each breed is wonderful in its own way. But some dogs really capture our attention. That's why we're honoring these pups with a segment all their own. It's time to meet today's Wonder Dog. This miracle puppy may be the luckiest dog ever. He cheated death not once, but twice. Left in a cage outside an Oklahoma animal shelter, this pup and his siblings were found seriously ill. Like so many other abandoned pups, the shelter's vet made the hard decision based on their health to euthanize the litter. The pups were euthanized, their bodies scheduled for pickup the next day. When animal control officer Scott Prawl arrived the next morning to pick up the bodies, he opened the door expecting to see several dead puppies. But instead, he was amazed to find a bright pair of eyes blinking back at him. Our miracle puppy had fought the odds and not given up. I'd say that he's an angel dog. Not only did he persevere against all odds, he was given a clean bill of health. He was as healthy as can be. They named him Wally after the lonely, lovable robot. His name is a tribute to being the last of his kind and surviving against all odds. Wally's story has turned him into something of a canine celebrity, inspiring families everywhere to give puppies like Wally a loving home. The owners of British pubs love this black and tan breed for its ability to catch rats. Today, the Manchester Terrier makes a name for itself as a popular toy breed in the show ring. Smile, and the Kazon is one breed who will smile back. They're just happy, and they do like a little grin. Yes, the national dog of the Netherlands is known as the Smiling Dutchman. They might also be known as the most mispronounced breed on the planet. 
The way Kaesund is spelled, it looks like Keeshaun, but the proper pronunciation is Kaesund. Affectionate, friendly, and so famous for clinging to family that the Kaesund has been called the Velcro dog. And as any owner will tell you, there's nothing like the Kaesund cuddle. They're actually the next best thing to a teddy bear. They're teddy bears with heart. Intuitive, sensitive, in fact, it was a Kaesund that comforted firefighters at Ground Zero on 9-11. Originally called the Wolfspitz, the Kaesund was bred in 16th century Holland, where they were used to watch over family barges on the Rhine. And what they were prized for was barking their heads off when anybody would come and try and invade the barge. But these pups are famously all bark and no bite. They're not great guard dogs because they're just so friendly. The Kaysan's Arctic ancestry includes strains of the Samoyed, Chow Chow, Finnish Spitz, Norwegian Elkhound, and Pomeranian. And like their Arctic relatives, they flaunt their fabulousness in lush, luxurious fur coats that protect them from the elements. The plush tricolor double coat might be the first thing you'll notice when a Kaysund comes your way. It's just a big ball of double coat fuzz. The Kaysund has a plush plumed tail which curves around the back. It all adds up to one great package. And that's what makes Boo's story so unforgettable. This is Boo. He's 13 years old and he's the ultimate survivor. Mark adopted Boo at six weeks old, and along with Mark, Boo went from bachelorhood to family man. When I met Mark, it was love me, love my dog. I've come to love Boo very, very much. He's just a good friend. And true to his breed, Boo has that case hunt curiosity and love of adventure. And one of his favorites, a visit to Mark's parents' house nearby. They spoil, spoil, spoil him. Boo is another grandson to us, and he just comes and loves us. But last February, when Mark and Rose left Boo overnight while they headed out of town, Boo's visit turned into a disaster. My cell phone rang, and I saw that it was Mark's parents' number. My mother-in-law said, you need to come home. My parents had let him outside, and my mother said, I think that I hear Boo barking, and so my parents went to the back door and called for the dog, and the dog kept barking and barking. I looked in the direction that the bark was coming from, and I knew that he was in the water. The dog is falling through the ice, and there's nothing that can't get out. A neighbor, hearing Boo's distress, had phoned 911. Rescuers from the local fire department responded to the call. Boo had been in the freezing water for more than 30 minutes. When we got here, we were advised that there was a dog stuck in the middle of the ice. He was shivering pretty hard. He looked exhausted. He kept trying to inch his paws up on the ice little by little to try to get a, a hold of it. With minutes to spare, the firefighters risked their lives to save the dog from the freezing water. In our opinion, he didn't have much longer to hang on on his own. You prepare yourself mentally for everything. The worst thing that could have happened is the dog could have went under. And just in time, Boo is pulled from the icy water. 
was a lot bigger than I thought it was. So I'm sure it was uh, wet, a little heavier, but uh, we got, finally got it in the boat and uh, it just laid there. I took the dog out of the boat, wrapped the dog in blankets. The dog didn't fight me one bit, just, just laid kind of limp in my arms. Boo was taken to the house and warmed with blankets and heaters to restore his body temperature. Well, I was so relieved, you can imagine. Mark and Rose arrived after the rescue, and the reunion was every bit as sweet as the one today. Hi, buddy. He's still as happy as can be, just like nothing ever happened to him. God bless you. I can't tell you how grateful we are to you. Since the rescue, Boo's become a bit of a celebrity. I'm just happy it worked out the way it did. And that makes everyone smile. Smiles will be part of life if you're looking to adopt a Kazund. The Kazund is adaptable enough to live in any environment, as long as they get their exercise. But if you don't like grooming, think twice before bringing a Kazund home. It's important to brush them, if not daily, every other day. While Kazunds are pretty healthy, they can have hip dysplasia, skin problems, and heart disease. And when it comes to training, these eager-to-please beauties have the brains to be top dogs. And that puts them at the top of the list as a family pet, too. They're very tolerant, so this is an amazing family dog. So, in general, the Kaysund is adaptable enough to live anywhere, but they can be noisy. They are generally healthy, but have a high grooming requirement. Their pleasing personalities make them easy to train, and they're good for all families. This breed bit the hand of Hitler and lived to tell the tale. There was an order to destroy all of these dogs. Fortunately, the Bouvier breed survived. It's the Bouvier de Flanders. Yep, it's a fancy name, and this breed has kept up with some fancy company. President Reagan did have a Bouvier. Jackie O had one of these dogs as a child. Her maiden name, after all, was Bouvier. This breed has rubbed elbows with such Hollywood brass as Warren Beatty, Diane Keaton, and Goldie Hawn. Bouviers might have a white-collar name, but it's a blue-collar dog. Bouvier actually means cow-chasing in French. Belgian monks first bred the Bouvier as a large working dog during the 19th century. These dogs also proved to be useful on the battlefields during both world wars, pulling ambulances and finding injured soldiers. Bouviers have a very strong work ethic. You won't see these canines on the battlefield anymore, but if you do happen to spot one, there are a few telltale features that you can't miss. First is this pooch's distinctive facial hair. They have this sort of mustache and long beard arrangement. The upright docked tail was historically cropped to protect the dog's tail from injury during its course of everyday work. The Bouvier has a large body. It stands over two feet at the shoulder and weighs over 100 pounds. But it's that same body and working nature that has gotten some Bouviers into a little hot water. In 1985, a puppy named Lucky came to the Reagan White House. And the Reagans loved it and said, this will be the perfect White House pet. Little did the president and first lady realize that this adorable ball of fuzz 
was going to grow up to become an 80-pound pulling machine. Every time they took her out, she was pulling Mrs. Riga and the president around. If you are busy being the president of America, you are probably too busy to raise and trade a Bouvier properly. Lucky's most infamous pulling incident, tugging President Reagan across the White House lawn in front of Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Lucky spent the rest of her days on the Reagan Ranch in California. Along with being energetic, Bouviers have a reputation for being dedicated to their work and fiercely loyal to their owners. Leonard Fogg is eternally grateful that his Bouvier, Maui, is no different. Since rescuing Maui in 2003, Leonard and his booby have been inseparable. Maui has just been my best friend over the years. My wife died in 2005. If it wasn't for him, I don't know what I would have done. He's just a wonderful companion. That's an understatement. One day back in 2008, Maui showed Leonard just how much he was looking out for him. Maui and I were walking down and I saw a boat on the dock. While inspecting the price, a gust of wind pushed the boat away from the dock. Leonard fell forward into the freezing water. With a temperature of 37 degrees, Leonard was at severe risk of hypothermia. I never felt anything more cold in my life. There was no way I could climb out. Desperately grasping at the dock, Leonard couldn't hold his head above water. He may have felt on his own in that water, but Leonard was not alone. His pal Maui started frantically barking. Leonard Fogg has been in the freezing cold ocean water for 10 minutes. His dog Maui is barking frantically in hopes that someone will hear. As the seconds ticked away, Maui continued his scream for help. And luckily, there was someone nearby. I heard Maui barking. It's very strange, you know, because at this time of the year, there's no one ever around. First, he saw nothing wrong. I saw this dog just staring and barking at the water. I was just about to turn around. I saw the, a hand on the dock. And I'm like, oh my God, there's someone in the water. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, his uh, hand grabs the back of my neck. I was able to reach underneath him and flip him up onto the dock. Within minutes, EMTs were on the scene and rushed Leonard to the emergency room. And thanks to Maui's sense of urgency and loyalty to his owner... Come on. Oh, what a good boy. Leonard is alive today and forever grateful to his best friend, Maui. The dog is the hero. It stood by its master. It, you know, it got someone's attention. It did everything right and it definitely saved Lenny's life. Uh, a friend, a companion, a hero. Uh, I never knew you could be that close to an animal. Yeah, we're best of friends. Uh. Not all Bouviers get the chance to be a hero, but as long as you have the time for training, a Bouvier can prove to be a buddy for life. Bouviers need training, but beware, they are independent workers, so training can be difficult. The Bouvier has a beautiful, thick double coat that needs constant attention to avoid matting. Living an average of 10 to 12 years, the Bouvier has a lengthy lifespan for a large dog. But like many big breeds, the Bouvier is prone to some health issues. Bouviers can be predisposed to hip dysplasia, glaucoma, thyroid disease, and even heart murmurs. The Bouvier is a working dog with lots of energy, so apartment life is not an option. The Bouvier is not for the novice, and due to its protective nature, might be a little standoffish with strangers. It probably wouldn't be the best dog if you're a first-time dog owner. 
So for the most part, the Bouvier de Flanders is a working dog that needs space to explore. They live a long time, but like most large breeds, have some health issues. Brushing three times a week and frequent visits to the groomer are a must. Training can be tough, so be diligent and start early. The Bouvier is a serious dog for a serious owner. If you're willing to put in the time, the Bouvier de Flanders will be a loyal, protective friend for life. So to recap, the miniature bull terrier was bred as a fighting dog, but quickly became a lovable, if feisty, pet. The dingo is an ancient canine both loved and despised in Australia. It could be a missing link between dog and wolf. The English setter was bred to hunt, but one setter could predict the Kentucky Derby winner. The Borzoi is a stunning dog known for its pointy head. It possesses one of the widest fields of vision of any dog. The Kayshund was bred to guard boats, but its smile and pleasing disposition make it anything but scary. The Bouvier was developed to drive cattle, but one Bouvier was famous for driving Ronald Reagan across the White House lawn. Remember, each individual dog is unique and may not conform to breed standards. If you're adopting a dog, do your homework and see the top 100 breeds, excessive droolers, and best family dogs all in one place. Go to animalplanet.com backslash dogs101.